There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another edition of the Warrior U Podcast with your hosts, Bram Conley, Reese Dewar, and Coach Louise Benoit. These podcasts seek to provide you with ongoing motivation towards your goals. We will explore topics around nutrition, physical preparation, and motivation, as well as discussing what to expect from life in the military. For more information on today's podcast, be sure to visit the show notes, and don't forget the Mentors for Military podcast, too. Drop in and have a listen. Joining me today is a close personal friend of mine, KC. He's an ex-Special Forces Green Beret. He's American, obviously. He's now the owner of the F-45 in Dubai Marina. KC, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Bram. Uh, thanks for having me, first off. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, as you said, I'm a, I'm an American. So, <laughs> yeah, we're in Dubai. Been in Dubai for about seven years now. Got a chance to work with Bram for, I think, what, four or five of those years. But my, my background is I was... Just a normal kid growing up in Minnesota, played hockey my whole life, wanted to play, continue to play college hockey, was lucky enough to get recruited by uh, West Point, the United States Military Academy, uh, decided to go there, worked worked really hard to get through those four years of school, then, you know, joined the Army as, as part of my obligation, uh, was an infantry officer, went to Iraq for a deployment. Uh, while I was in Iraq, I watched and was able to take part in a couple of missions with some special forces teams. Came back and and was came back to the states after the deployment and was really excited about trying out for special forces. Uh, so I went through that process. was was lucky enough to get selected uh, and went through the whole Q course. Went you know got earned my Green Beret. Deployed a few times with uh, with an ODA and then. As sort of it was approaching the the 10-year mark, um, which is kind of a normal transition point for a lot of military, a lot of officers, but a lot a lot of military in general, because 20 years is your um, when you can retire. Uh, my wife is also in the military. We had three kids, and we sort of just said, I think it's time for us to transition out of the military. Lucky to have a friend that was working over here in Dubai, and he was uh, they were looking for guys. I got picked up over here and here now for seven years uh, working with the UAE military and then just in the last year we opened uh, F45 Dubai Marina so it's been it's been a fun ride yeah and we've got we've got some interesting sort of background don't we where um, we found out not long after I started working uh, for you over there that one of your good friends I'd worked with him on a rotation in 2010 that was pretty that was pretty yeah cool. I mean yeah. It's it's such a small world with the military, uh, especially with I think you know special forces units across the world. With the way that deployments have gone over the last ten fifteen years, you're you're bound to run into people you know. Um, I mean, it's just it's really just a matter of the fact 
just a random timing difference that you and I didn't run into each other in Afghanistan because we easily could have been on those deployments together. Yeah, yeah. So it's really small world. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about a heap of stuff today, and this is a podcast for the Warrior U, um, the subscription service where people, you know, it's not it's not going out into the wider world, but um, yeah, we're we're talking about things like maintaining fitness, you know, leadership. We're going to talk about some of the podcasts that we've listened to that have been, you know, helpful, and we're going to talk about education, emotional intelligence, all that sort of stuff. But um, why don't you first of all, you know, tell us about uh, F45 because I know that's a passion of yours and it's something that um, you know that you you know probably didn't see yourself doing the F45 route and then and now here you are owner of an F45 gym and and soon to be an owner of another one I think yeah I mean for anybody listening to, to this podcast that's in Australia um, you, you're familiar with F45 I think because it's kind of everywhere at this point um They've done a great job expanding in Australia and, and jumping across the ocean to the U.S. But yeah, for me, it was it was a sort of a lifelong dream to open up a gym. Um, I looked really, really in depth at opening up a CrossFit gym here several years ago. I mean, you and I even talked about it. Yeah. Um, got you know, got CrossFit Level One certified and some other certifications, but the, it just didn't make sense from um, a financial standpoint. So. I was lucky enough to go back to Australia on a trip with you and, and some of our local uh, people that we work with and, and sort of saw it firsthand what it what the concept was. And I'd read about it and heard about it before going, but seeing it in person was, you know, eye-opening. And I just sort of knew that it would work back here in Dubai. It's a great concept. It's a it's an easy concept to kind of get off the ground. And it's a, from a from an owner standpoint, it, it makes sense from, you know, when you just get down to the bottom line, which is, you know, you want to make some money. Um, so yeah, really, we brought it back here. I, I sat down with my business partners and, and, you know, the numbers made sense. So we, we got it off the ground, but from a fitness standpoint, F45 is great. It's, you know, it's high intensity interval training, which, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. It's not, it's not as though F45 invented that it's been around forever, but yeah. the way that they've packaged it is, you know, technology, it's innovative. Uh, it's, you know, it's for everyone. You can, you can be working out in the studio with somebody that's a brand new to fitness, somebody that's, you know, midway through their journey and somebody that maybe is a high end athlete and they're all going to walk out of there with a great workout. So it's, uh, it's been really fun. So we've been open since September and we're, uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm partners with another friend that we're opening up back home in uh, the States in Minnesota in F45 Minneapolis. And we're looking at opening our second studio here uh, in Dubai, hopefully by the end of this year. So yeah. Yeah, things are looking, looking up. And I think, I think we take it for granted, don't we, that, you know, all the guys we work with, they all maintain, they pretty much maintain their fitness. They do it, they do it every day, but um, perhaps the people listening to this podcast don't realize that becomes that becomes ingrained in you with the military training. And then when you leave, it's something that most of us still pursue. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the best things about the military, I mean, there's so many good things, but one of the best things I think is what you learn about fitness as a soldier, uh, as, a, as a brand new officer, whatever you come in at, you're going to get taught how to do it right. And, and that's huge because a lot of times – if you didn't play like a college or university sport or something, you may not have that level of education on what it means to maintain your fitness and 
what are the differences between cardiovascular fitness? What are the difference, you know, in, in weight training, et cetera. But you, you get that base knowledge in the military and it's something that you don't have a choice. You're going to work out every day in the military, but it, it, as you said, it's a great habit. You know, it's, it's a forced habit. You're going to do it every day. And then, you know, like you said, tons of guys, most guys that get out of the military or with that habit on and it's, you know, it's lifelong fitness. So it's yeah. something that I'm, I'm so grateful to have been a part of from the military from West Point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed my life. It's, and I think just like the overall, I think the overall knowledge of, of everyday people in 2017, their level of knowledge and fitness and health, I think is, it's certainly different than it was when you and I were growing up. And that's just, uh, that's an awesome place to be. Yeah, and and I mean, it may save your life too in the military, you know. Well, that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, know, we yeah. we both work uh, work. You worked. I still work in a, in organizations where fitness is is something that maybe is secondary, and, and it, it ultimately can cost you your life. Not just from the elements, but you don't want to be in a situation. Uh, you know, overseas where you, you know you have to pull somebody out of a burning vehicle or something, and you can't. Yeah. Because he's, you know, significantly overweight. You know, that's that. Then you, that person who's overweight, has become a liability to their team, and that's just something that you would never want to do. I mean, I, I always had pretty good cardio, and then on my first trip to Afghanistan, we started started humping some of those big packs up some of those hills. I realized that I need to get in the gym and squat more. You know, and you, you, just being able to identify some weaknesses and and how that training translates to the battlefield sometimes is. Is even that is a uh, is a bit of an art. Yeah, that's right, and I think that's what you know between F forty five CrossFit, whatever you're doing, um, you know, functional fitness gets thrown around. It's a bit of a buzzword, but it's important, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. you can't you can't just go into the gym and, and do back and buys, chest and drive. Like those yeah. days are old, are yeah. sort of over. It, it it's great to look good on the beach, but you know to be functional, and and that's what being a soldier is all about is being functional because. Yeah. There's nothing in the gym that's going to replicate putting on a pack and climbing over a wall, or you know, trying to trying to crawl through a doorway that doesn't isn't standard. You know that you're going to come across overseas. There's just things and exercises or movements that you can't replicate with exercises. So yeah, the more functional stuff you do, it's just amazing how it how it applies and how good you are going to feel on a deployment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you, so you and I used to drive some ridiculous distance you probably still do every day 200 200 kilometers bud one way door to door door each way yeah and during that during those drives we used to talk about all manner of one of the things we used to talk about all the time is uh we should do a podcast we should sit in this car and do a podcast because people would be really interested about the shit we're talking about in this car for two hours (laughs) and uh, we always joked about that and here we are now doing a podcast and i actually do feel that we could have done that, you know. But you introduced me to podcasts. Probably the first one yeah. you, you introduced me to, to years ago was Ben Greenfield, who um, yeah. who we both listened to for a while until we both got sick of hearing the same content. Um, sorry, Ben, yeah. if you're listening. I know you're a big fan of the show. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, but then we got on to Barbell Shrugged, which I still listen to now. And, and, yeah, um, me too. Yeah. yeah, I went through a time there where I dropped it for a bit and then I went back to it and started again and, you know, sometimes I binge on it during the days. I mean, they're the masters, really, of 
podcasting and putting content together into a um, all that information education into a pretty pretty solid hour of entertainment. You know, what do you, what do you, what do you think about the future with podcasting? But not just that, like. You know, do you use it for education? Do you use it for enjoyment? Because you're a captured audience every day. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm a I'm a sort of a mixed bag because I do drive so much. I'm I'm in the car. It's 400k. No matter, you know, that's just if I'm going home and to work and, and nothing else in between. Um, and often, you know, I got three kids, so there's tons of stuff in the afternoon to drive around to as well or go pick them up. But I'm a, I'm a mixed bag. Like I, I enjoy, I definitely enjoy barbell shrugged barbell business. Uh, you know, from an education standpoint, those are, those have been great. Um, as a business owner, barbell business has been, has been fantastic with just the ideas that they present and things that you can apply. Um, cause one of the things I think those, those two podcasts and those guys do very well is it, it might be a very, um, broad topic or, or very, you know, they'll bring on doctors and stuff and it may seem like, you know, like you can't understand it, but they do a really good job of pulling it back down to, to how you can apply it. So I've always enjoyed the, those podcasts for that reason, because they just make it something you can actually apply to your daily life. Uh, and it's funny, right? Like they, they, they do, it's just guys sitting around talking, which I think is why it's so successful. Yeah, it's definitely the right yeah, formula. Yeah, so I, I do enjoy them. Um, I like the Tim Ferriss podcast. I do like the Ben, ben Greenfield podcast. Um, but like you said, I think those are like, for me, they're small doses. I, I like the content often, um, but God bless both of those guys. Like I, I can only take small doses. So I'll, I'll sort of mix those guys in um, as I as my week goes on. Um, but if you're going, but if on, you look if you're going some, on a deployment... Sorry. If you're going on a deployment or something like that, and you can download all those podcasts, you can you can educate yourself while you're away. You know? That's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean the 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 amount of free content yeah. that's out there on podcasts is is incredible. Well, it's I incredible. heard I heard that iTunes is moving by September this year. Subscription based services for podcasting they're gonna they're gonna try and grip that up. So that'll be an interesting space to watch. That may have happened by yeah, the time people be. listen to this. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. Um, it's funny you bring it up because um, I listened to a, a couple different sports, you know, ESPN podcast, the Dan Lebetard show. And, yeah. and well, Dan Patrick's not on ESPN, but he's he, he used to be. Um, but they talk about it like they're, you know, if you if recently with ESPN, they've had they've let some of their talent go because, you know, the bottom line is they're a Disney owned company and they haven't made money. But one of the things that the Dan Lebetard show talks about is is the podcast, right? Because it's free. It's just free content. Yeah. And, and how do you how do you make money on that? So I would wouldn't be surprised if iTunes or the other places are starting to charge for it. It'll be an it'll be an interesting sort of uh, paradigm shift. And it'll be something that people myself included will have to get used to because I consume a whole bunch of free content every day. Yeah. And have you have you come across the Jocko Willick podcast at all? I have. Well, no, yeah, a lot of the I people have. listening uh, to this would probably be be fans of his I, I know of him i haven't i haven't talked to him yet it's on the cards but yeah yeah i think uh i think somebody like jocko and i don't know him personally uh provides is that is a, is a whole nother level of of motivation and, and intensity uh, yeah. i've read a couple articles on him he's uh he's he's his own man like he's yeah. he's, he's doing it his own way yeah. um yeah. so i think i think that podcast would hit home with quite a few people yeah 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 
Yeah, you mentioned the Tim Ferriss. Um, I just bought his book, uh, Tools for Titans. I need to find, I was looking for that here and I can't find it at one of the bookstores. So I got to go to the bigger one, but that, that's supposed to be a great book. Yeah, it seems to me to be one of those ones where you wouldn't read it cover to cover. You would have a problem and you'd open it up and go to that sort of section and have a bit of a look through yeah. it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And the other one that, the other book that I've read recently you might be interested in is Seth Godin Tribes. You yeah. You got it, don't you? Yeah, I love, I love, I love all of, all of his books. Yeah, uh, it's brilliant. It's it's and it's so applicable for what we're talking about with, with the military and everything else. Um, yeah, I wish I'd known about it as a as a section commander or even as a private soldier. You know, because there's plenty of crossover to the military to, to building those collaborative, um, high functioning teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, a little self reflection on on like what you where you're at in your life. I. I even when you asked me about doing this podcast, like just looking back, like if I could do a couple things different, um, as like that, that young Lieutenant where you can, you think you're doing everything right. And you're certainly trying to do everything right. But some of the stuff that's in some books that are out now and tribes would be one of them is, is definitely worth a read because you can, you can have a huge impact on your soldiers. You know, you can have, it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a subordinate or, or the leader, you can, you can have a huge impact on everyone around you and it can all come from, simply reading a book which is pretty pretty cool i think the thing that you and i probably have in common with regards to you know um our time as platoon commanders especially was that we would set up environments for people to be as good as they could be and i think that soldiers nowadays they that's what they want to see in leadership they want to be given the environment to sort of flourish and be the best that they can be as opposed to being told what to do all the time I guess that's a special forces thing in some regards as well, and sometimes you just got to suck it up until you get to that point. But yeah, yeah, that I think you're right. I mean, coming into the army, um, you know, I came into the army as as a lieutenant. I didn't come in as a as a private, you know. So it's a it's a little bit different entry point. But um, I think some of the same lessons apply no matter what. It's like you know, you're going to go through basic training. You're going to you're going to go through any of the advanced training or specialty training for your specific, you know, specialty skills that are required, but like, and you're going to do your best. You're going to learn as much as you can, but you're not, you just don't know everything, you know, and you don't, you don't have to know everything. I think it's good to go to understand that you don't need to know everything. You're not going to, because you're going to go to a team that has guys that have been doing it for 15, 20 years. And if you can go in there with an open mind, this is, I think this is very applicable for, for young lieutenants and young sergeants that it's okay to like say, I don't know. Yeah. And it's okay to ask, to just, Hey, tell, tell me how to do this. How do I do this better? You know, like rely on your smart guys that are, in, that are going to be in your platoons. I think it's such a, yeah. it's something that, that I, that I was told, you know, yeah, talk to your platoon sergeant and everything else. But I, at the time, you know, you think you need to know everything. Oh, I'm I'm going to be the platoon leader. Or, you know, I need to know this. So, yeah. you know, you can you can go into it with an open mind, and I think you you're going to learn so much from the guys around you, and that's exciting. Like that's yeah. a something that I don't think you're going to find many other places. The military is very unique for that. You're yeah. going to enter. You're going to walk right into a team, which is really cool. Whether it's a platoon or special forces or whatever, you're going to have a group of guys around you that all are you know have the same focus which is really fun so so i'm going to ambush you a bit here okay so back back when i was a young soldier that before we had much to do with the u.s military there was a common uh misconception uh, that they're all 
specialist in only one thing and couldn't do much more. Now, what I want to do, mm-hmm. having spent a lot of my time now with the U.S. military, you know, in Afghanistan and in training over the years, and and also working, uh, you know, working in the UAE with military contractors from the U.S. Is I want to blow that myth out of the water, to, so that this this young crowd hearing this will will end up getting in the Australian military, go to their go to their units, and understand that you know those 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 post uh, Vietnam days that maybe maybe it was only a decade where that started to be the case. That just isn't the sure. case anymore, is it? The U.S. soldier is well rounded, really well rounded. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you you know you're sort of. You, you're historically always training for the last war, as yeah. they say. Um, so when Iraq kicked off, it was, you know, I can remember being in our motor pool. I was a mechanized infantry platoon leader at the time. And it was that, you know, we, we knew we were going to end up doing some urban fighting. It was just, you could see it on the cards, right? So we're in the motor because we didn't have, you know, as a mechanized platoon, you don't have access to some of the shoot houses and everything else that are prevalent across all the bases now same for australia but so you know we're in like the motor pool trying to do room clearing and stuff as mechanized soldiers and, and when we got to iraq it was like i like to say it was just the wild wild west you know it was the very beginning of the war and as a lieutenant as a platoon you know me, me and my platoon sergeant were in charge of basically two towns with a, you know probably seventy thousand people in them each that were separated or uh, separated by you know uh probably 25 kilometers of farmland that we had to take basically take care of every day so That's unbelievable, on, on a yeah on a daily basis it was you know get the boys ready get the trucks ready we were we were a reconnaissance unit so i switched from a mechanized platoon leader to a reconnaissance platoon leader couple months into the deployment um we were down in in just outside of baghdad and we're hustling around to these towns every day meeting with the you know the police chief meeting with the the yeah. guy who ran the hydroelectric dam meeting with the the head of the the hospital i, I was 23 years old you know yeah. and they're telling me problems about like they don't have enough medicine at the hospital and they need a solenoid for the power plant and yeah. the police don't aren't getting money from the government to pay the guy so the police are walking out so that just so many different problems but then, but then what am I asking my soldiers to do? I'm asking them to do the same thing, right? Like, so they've trained as, or as, at that time as reconnaissance soldiers. And number one, as soon as we roll off the gate, we're, we're, they're infantrymen, right? Like yeah. I'm on the road, there's IDs, you know, there's ambushes, there's all that. So you can't take that for granted. I still got to get to the town, but they, but all of the, all the preparation that goes into getting to the town, you know, you're rehearsing all of your vehicle drills, all of your crew drills, things that these guys aren't necessarily used to doing. They're used to being out in front of a mechanized brigade providing intel as the, you know, the tank, tank teams are going to roll forward. That's what they traditionally were, were um, yeah. trained for. So, yeah, I mean, these guys were, we, we were doing it all war as that deployment were on, but it just as the years have gone on, it doesn't matter now what you're, what we call a, a military occupational specialty or MOS, it, didn't, it doesn't matter what your MOS is, right? You you have to be an infantryman first. And the Marines, the U.S. Marines probably do this, at least in terms of culture, better than anyone else. But you just have to know what you're doing with your weapon. You have to know what you're doing in your vehicle. You have to know what you're doing medically. If a guy gets hurt, you have to know what you're doing on the radio. You have to know how to put that radio into operation. So you can't be you can't be a one-trick pony, and you can't you can't be the the soldier in the unit that's 
thinking, oh, well, somebody else will know how to do it because yeah. that's just not how IEDs work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's not how that, the enemy gets a vote, right? So yeah. when that vehicle blows up that you thought the guy that knew how to do the radio or the medic, like you got to be able to do that stuff. So yeah. The amount of training, the amount of knowledge that soldiers have now, you know, in your military and the U.S. military, is, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's it's astounding. And the level of responsibility is astounding because, yeah. like I was saying before, with being responsible for people's, you know, civilians' livelihood and they're, and they're getting their kids to school and stuff, like that's not something that you expect to do as a 23-year-old. No. It's not something I, I ever thought I would tell my section leaders to I need you to go into that school and secure it. And, you know, like it's just a different level of responsibility, but yeah, something then, that then I, I th- the, definitely thoroughly enjoyed. Then you have the whole, the next level with the, you know, the special forces and the, I've worked with the ODA, which is the Green Berets. And, you know, now you're talking about a small group of guys that have to be able to do everything because they're on their own out there. Yeah. And, and the way that the U.S. Special Forces uh, ODAs are, are are put together is you know through years of you know, research and, and everything else, but it's it's brilliant. You know you're going to have a guy that that is the commo guy. You're going to have the guy that is the medic. You're going to have the guy that is the engineer who knows demolitions. But that's a specialty, right? And and the beauty of of an A team is is you're going to cross train on everything. So when you're back home, like that medic is going to take days to teach you all his job you're never going to be as good as him you're not supposed to be but you're certainly going to be better than you were and then you know you're going to do the same thing with your weapons you're going to do the same thing with demolitions so that experience was unlike anything else for me was that it was truly the best time of my life being on a team is is one of the best experiences i've ever had um yeah hands down yeah, so the, the people listening to this podcast are civilians at the moment looking to get into the military. And one thing I've noticed with the Defence Force recruiting over here is that they they try and align them with jobs that they'd be suitable for. And then if a guy's not suitable, if that job's not available, rather than join just join the military, uh, a lot of the civilians, what they do is they just pack it in. And they go and do another job. They don't, they don't go into the military because DFR is really bad at selling life in the military as opposed to or you're going to be a signalman, you're going to be a clerk, you're going to be a cook, you're going to be a driver because there's no there's no positions in infantry anymore. Yeah. Or, or you know, all we've got left is artillery and a guy thinks, oh, I don't really want to go to artillery. But in this modern day, the army's so advanced that you could go in and do those jobs for a few years and understand the culture and learn learn what the, you know, the life in the military is like. And then you could apply for special forces or you could apply for another, another you know, another stream, another employment stream. Um, and I just don't, I just don't think that DFR, the Defence Force Recruiting, does a very good job of selling the lifestyle as opposed to selling the occupation. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a little different in the U.S. just numbers-wise, but I think you're absolutely right, and I think that can be applied to any any job anywhere. It's like if you if you want to be in the military, join the military. 
you know, like, I, I mean, I, great. You want, you, you obviously have a, a goal. And if they don't have that position, that, that may not be the best thing for the, for, for your first couple of years, at least in terms of what you think, but, but don't give up on it. Like go join, find something else. Like you, you, artillery is a great example. I want infantry, but they only have artillery. Well, those skills are, are, like I said, you're going to have plenty of bleed over and you're going to have plenty of opportunity to learn the infantry that go to specialty schools and all that kind of thing. And, and like you said, jumping across the special forces, like you're going to have an asset then you're going to be, you're going to know how to call up a fire. You're going to know how to operate mortars, et cetera. So I think it's, yeah, some of the best, some of the best special forces operators that I've seen have come from, from artillery actually, because they're, they're right. And they're able to manage a lot of those big assets that some of the infantry guys probably need to spend more time screwing themselves away and um yeah you know the other thing too is since i left the military um i mean i wasn't exposed that much to females in the military in australia in my 20 odd years Mm -hmm. um but then once i left the military and especially through crossfit like i've been towered up so many times physically by girls at the gym that I realize there's a whole demographic of women out there who aren't looking to the military as what it is, which is a, a brilliant lifestyle for, for females. What's happening is recruiting gets it wrong. They re, they're, they're not reaching out to the right sort of people. I mean, mm-hmm. in any of these, there's so many really driven females out there that should be, and your wife's an example of someone who's really driven, you know, she was an attack helicopter pilot, <laughs> you know, like those jobs exist. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, I think what you're seeing now uh, with a lot of women, and I think you can, you can thank CrossFit in particular for this is there, you're sort of seeing a shift from, you know, like, it's, a it's all like the cleat. Yeah, it's all the cliche internet meme stuff, but like, you know, skinny isn't fit right like yeah. strong as strong as the new skinny or whatever that whatever the heck they are like that's that's awesome like i have a i have a 10 year old daughter you know and like i want her to be physically fit i want her to be strong i want her to be confident and i think you you see a lot of women that may not join the military because of the things you said because it's uh you know they think it's a boys club or whatever else but girls that are you know inclined to do athletics and love the team atmosphere um love to work out, love to be strong, love to use their mind and their body. Yeah, the military is is perfect. And there's so many, so many opportunities in, in your military, in the U.S. military. Uh, you see some some changes, certainly in the U.S. military, where they're allowing women to go to, you know, ranger school now. They're allowing trialing women in infantry positions and stuff like that. So doors are going to continue to open for jobs that may have historically been for, you know, for men, quote unquote, but definitely... Right, so that brings me to the next point: emotional intelligence, mate. <laughs> yeah, I can, hear, I can hear people going, "Oh, what's this going to be?" You know, we've talked about this a lot on the on the long car rides. And, uh, being able to look at a situation, break it down into its component parts, and then have a high, you know, EQ, emotional intelligence. That's probably one of the key things that you need as a as a leader. Would you not say? Yeah, I think. I mean, it's sort of a term that. I didn't know about, right? Like I didn't before, like we didn't talk about emotional intelligence at West Point. I think it's term, who knows how long the term has been around, but it's certainly in some books and stuff now. But yeah, I mean, being able to read a situation, being able to control your emotions in reaction to that situation and then being able to make a, uh, a decision uh, that, that is, you know, best for your team, best for yourself or whatever 
whatever that situation dictates is is going to set you apart you know and and in the military it's going to probably save some lives right because there's there's just situations that you tell war stories about it and you can read history books and you can read you know modern combat stories but but until you're in that situation it's it's sort of something that you will never really understand but but getting control of your emotions before you get to that point and in, in, in boot camp, right? And in, in whatever whatever training you go through, you're going to be in some stressful situations. How you react to that is going to be a big part of your success. So if you can keep it all under control, if you can keep the stress level, the overall stress level down inside yourself while the external stress levels rise, you will you will set yourself apart. So yeah, I mean, it's, one, it's something that I don't know that it's overlooked nowadays. I think it's definitely a known thing, but I don't think everyone practices it. You know, I think you, you do need to to understand what it means to be in control of your emotions and be able to to make the right decision yeah. or, you know, as close to the right decision as you can possibly do. Right. And a lot of the a lot of the stress that I felt during especially my last deployment to Afghanistan were more from my headquarters than the combat. And we had a lot of combat. Yeah. I'm not particularly good at hiding my displeasure at things but i found yeah. that was and i think you know that but I, but i found that that was something that i i've been work i still work really hard on to this day is to to control that space between you know the the stimulus and my response so try and control that space and then and then really dominate that space to think about what i want to do next or think about what i want to say rather than just react with primeval instinct which in a lot of cases can get you in trouble or get you killed or you know, make the wrong decision. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that that comes with age and experience and, and it's sort of essentially the definition of emotional intelligence, right? Like it, being aware, like I wasn't aware of my emotions at 22, you know, I, I think you probably weren't either. You just, you're, you're in sort of reaction mode and that yeah. can be hormones, testosterone, beer muscles, whatever, whatever, all sorts of different things. But but as you get a little bit older and you get some more experience under your belt, it's one, being aware of them, right? And then controlling it and then using whatever, you know, how you express it. You know, how do I, because, because coming across as a dick or coming across as, you know, somebody that cares, like you can be both of those people. Yeah. And and when when you express it matters and who you express those emotions to uh, it all matters. I mean, I, I, I remember as, as I think I told you the story at one point, but it was the end of our deployment in, um, Iraq. And we were, we were the still, as uh, still with the brigade reconnaissance troop. You'll ask. This is the story you where, this is the story where you punched the, uh, side mirror. I punched the side mirror, but I'll tell the story because Do I it. think it matters. And I think it it's, matter. it's important. Yeah. And we were down South of Baghdad. That's where we had operated out of for several months. Uh, and it was a, it was a, ended up being a 13 month deployment. So you can imagine sort of the, you're at your, everybody's sort of at their, at their wits end. They want to go home. We didn't know we were going to be over there that long. We, this is at the very beginning of the war. Guys thought we'd be there for three months max, but we were tasked at the very end of our deployment to, to basically go up to Tikrit from Southern, you know, South of Baghdad daily to bring back all of the core and brigade staff that hadn't gone out on a, probably a single mission the whole time they were there. Well, yeah. That's that's not a gr- that's not a great task at the end of a deployment because it essentially means you're on the road 
for about 18 hours a day that at that point were just full IEDs. So for how many days? It, it, it's, oh man, I don't know. We did that for a couple of weeks. Jeez. It was, we would drive them, we would go up to Tikrit and yeah. drive them basically all the way to Kuwait and turn around and drive back up to our base and then do it again. So it was essential to try to, to get up there early and get out of there early so we could get back through Baghdad before the sun went down or else it was just going to be ugly. Because yeah. at the time, we weren't just we, you're not just picking people up and cruising in Humvees. You're picking up like, you know, hats that have tanks on the back. So you're not going at a fast rate. And you're imagine driving through Sydney with, you know, several uh, 18-wheelers, you know, trying yeah. to get through. So... It was, it was critical for us to get out of there at, cert, at certain times. And at the time, I was dealing, you know, I was I was in charge of that convoy. So when in charge, take charge. That's how I've always been. And I'm dealing with 06s, 07s, you know, sergeant majors. God, God bless them. Their, their, their roles are important, but they hadn't gone outside the wire. So, they were so scared, to, right? So, so the guys listening, you know, so to translate that, we're talking about Lieutenant Colonel, so battalion commander level rank and above. Right. So, 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 so some definitely high ranking. higher ranking than <laughs> yeah. higher ranking than than at the time first lieutenant again, who thought he was thought he knew everything. Right. But at the at the time, my main concern was was to get people home, my guys and these people that were escorting home safely. Right. And anyway, so the as the story goes, that they they were taken forever, and I was not happy, and I was being very professional. Uh, up to a point when I, this one one colonel would not get his people on the trucks, and it, it was it was essentially the, it was all one you know they need to get some food from the shop or something. It was it was something not not vital, and I uh, he's standing he was standing next to my Humvee, and I said, "Sir, get your people on the truck now." We're leaving, and he he made some sort of another excuse, and I punched the the Humvee mirror and smashed it, and I actually cut up my finger really bad. I didn't put it at the time, and I said, "Get your people on the fucking truck, sir." <laughs> and he 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 snapped back, didn't say anything, but got his people on the truck. I'm not advising that as a as a young lieutenant or a young soldier because that could have ended poorly for me in terms of a career progression. But I think it applies to what we we're saying in terms of of knowing yourself controlling your emotions and understanding the situation and bringing out the right the correct response um yeah because my response was was not my response wasn't about being disrespectful or unprofessional it was about getting people on trucks so people didn't get blown up so it's a funny story because i ended up needing stitches in my hand it was a hell of a long drive with the cut finger but uh yeah my my driver and i stay in contact with the driver still of that truck and he he's, he likes to repeat that story to me every now and then he's like i can't believe you punched the mirror sir yeah yeah i've got a i've got a, a similar story where big ied blast where a heap of our um staff that were you know afghan Afghan soldiers and a couple of the interpreters were killed, and um, yeah. and my CO at the time came in and um and him and I had a pretty heated discussion about you know what that meant because he wanted the names of all the KIA and at the time I didn't have the names he thought they were Australians and I knew they weren't and then when he found out that they weren't Australians he he wasn't actually quite as bothered as he was before and uh, yeah I remember and, you telling me this yeah and I lost my I lost my shit over that. And, um, but you know, 
you're stuck in that control center for weeks at a time and you know you sort of get uh get get a little bit of i don't know keyhole of the information and then um and then things boil over and then but but i think that sometimes if you the, the whole emotional intelligence thing is not just about being able to dominate that space and make the right decisions it's also being able to look back on something and go you know what i was a bit of a dick and uh i've got yeah. this i've got this saying you've heard me say it before you can't get fat from eating humble pie so no. you know if you've done something wrong and, you, and, and in that regard you know i probably shouldn't have gone off the way i did to, to go up to him later and go look i'm sorry about that it was unprofessional you know, that actually stood me in good stead with him in the future. And I think that's a part of emotional intelligence as well, is just being able to know that you're in the wrong and accept responsibility for it, you know? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think I think most leaders will, will allow you sort of some rope and especially if you come back and say, "Hey, I, I messed up. Like, I was, I was heated. Sorry about that." They're, they typically aren't going to hold that kind of stuff against you. So I think it's that's t- that level of self-reflection doesn't isn't always present. It wasn't present with me at at 22, you know. But yeah. it's I think it's something you you get with experience. Um, yeah. I think the other part of emotional intelligence that I've learned is not every situation is the same. Not every not every person is the same, right? So the way you the way you handle a similar situation with a diff with each person that you're you know is in your unit. I mean your family, whoever your friends. Um, is important because you your understanding of, of that person or that team member um, and how you react or how you, you you know make your point to them is is vital to your success and and not everyone reacts to the same type of direction um, and figuring that out is is huge exhausting it's huge. like you can be, <laughs> it can be it's, it, well it's exhausting it can be it yeah. can be exhausting you're absolutely right i mean and don't get me wrong like i'm not i'm not suggesting that in the military you have to cater to every single person because it's just you can't operate effectively that way but outside of combat there's there's definitely times where you your reaction to a similar situation with a different person is key yeah. To getting your point across and just getting what you need to get done. Yeah, for me in, in Afghanistan, the, the hardest part with regards to changing my leadership style was with our, and, and later on in, in the future as well, was with our interpreters. Yeah. Just uh, because they're not, they're not, they're not warriors. You know, you can't, no. you know, I can shout at my guys if they've done something wrong to get them to do something at the heat of the moment in the battle. Yeah. But if, yeah. I sh- but, if, but if we're in the middle of a firefight and I'm shouting at my interpreter, he just becomes non combat effective. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and so you got to switch between. And, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, those guys have a whole whole different level of issues that are going on in their lives. Yeah, telling your sol- telling your soldier to get your head out of your ass and yeah. cover that direction or whatever is isn't necessarily going to work with an interpreter. Yeah. And that that I mean that applies that applies to to your job out. You know, certainly applies to jobs now that I have outside the military. I can't. I can't say those sort of things to. I can. I can say that to some of the guys I work with. I can. I can tell somebody to, hey man, you messed up. Pull your head out of your ass. And that guy will understand that. But I can't say that to to others. You know, they they won't react the right way. So, yeah. And I might get myself in trouble. I was. Um. You know. I know your your time is sort of precious, mate. And I appreciate you giving me your time. But I, I wanted to touch on a few things before you go. And um. Yeah. I was thinking today about um. You know, sort of. I'm thinking about a name for a blog that I want to write, and it's going to be about um aging, and it's probably going to be called the Leaves of Change or something like that. But it's 
But it's one of those things that we've discussed before, isn't it, about lifelong learning and, um, you know, you can either get old and, and think you're old or you can get old and you can get better. That's right. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're right. That's cool. I think, I think I would love to read that blog. I mean, going back to Tim Ferriss, I think one thing that I've taken away from him is the whole the N equals one is, is, is experiment, right? Experiment. I'm not saying do anything unhealthy or unsafe. Because some of the stuff Tim's done has been done is crazy. <laughs> you know, I applaud, I applaud his efforts. He's he's wrote an, an incredible book about it. But one of the things, you know, everybody or a lot of people will do like New Year's resolutions and stuff, and that that's great for a month, and then you forget about them. But yeah. one of the things I've tried to do over the last several years is is my New Year's resolution is, is are are fairly simple. It's it's n equals one, which is for me is just it, it's I've experimented with food, I've experimented with with working out, I've experimented with you know, how I talk to my kids, and but then well, the, I know the, I know the, you have, mate, because every year that you would try an experiment, about three months after you start trying it, I jump on your bandwagon. I remember <laughs> since knowing you, I've gone paleo, I've gone ketogenic, I've talked nicer <laughs> to my kids, I've talked louder to my kids. I've gone from uh, powerlifting to CrossFit to doing F45, back to CrossFit, back to powerlifting. So yeah, uh, you're right though. It's it's N equals one is a fantastic. Uh, it's a good name for a book actually. I think it might be a good name for a book, mm-hmm. but I think it's also like with that, it's what what that has sort of allowed me or, or forced me maybe is a better better way to do it. Is I sign up for I try to sign up for stuff um, for courses. So whether whether it's online, like I did, I did an online degree while I've been over here, which that is a whole nother thing, but just smaller things like, you know, a nutrition course or something that might take you three or four months. Yeah. It might cost you some money, but, but sign up for it. Like use, use your time, right? Especially on deployments On deployments. You can sign up for some things. You're going to have internet access. That's just, a, that's typically right. I, mean, I won't say every time, but you're probably going to have internet access, but sign up for some stuff, put, put a mark on the wall for that year and tell yourself you're going to, you're going to, Get certified in, in a certain thing and do it. Yeah, well, Sign if, up, pay for it, and do it. If someone's listening to this, they've subscribed to Warrior You. That's the only way they're listening exactly. to this. So they've already got that well, sort of, you know, I'm going to be a better person by getting knowledge, seeking knowledge. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's right. Like, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's you, – you've – you have you now people that are listening to this that that understand why that's important, um, and just go through the whole warrior, go through the whole warrior you thing, and then whole, go through the whole warrior you process, and then don't let don't lose that. Keep it going, yeah. keep it going. Join the military and keep it going. Yeah. Hey man, I really want to thank you, KC, for your time today. It was uh, always good to it's always good to talk to you about this stuff. So glad you asked me. Uh, it's, it's what, you're, what you're doing is awesome. I think that that Warrior U is going to be a, a huge success. I think the people that are signing up for it have made a great decision. And as I said, keep it going, guys. Like join the military and and give it give it your all because I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah. What did you say before? You said um, if you want to join the military, just join the military. I think that's awesome. Like people don't do that. Yeah. They're, they're all this. Just, the, the DFR has created this bloody thing where. You're trying to get into an occupation as opposed to, hey, just join the military. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, right? Like yeah. you're going to learn a heck of a lot about yourself and you're going to learn life skills that you're not going to get anywhere else. So yeah. just, just join the military. You, right. you won't regret it. Thanks, man. I'll pause it there and um, say goodbye. All right, buddy. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.